Hi, I'm Gary from the Investment Cuddle. This is the second part of our look at tech companies. So in part one, we looked at mostly American tech companies, and I'll let the guys pick up where we left off the last episode, looking at UK tech companies. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right, so we've talked a little bit about American tech companies and one, one uh, Chinese company there. So what's going on in the UK with regard to tech? Is it, are, there, are there any? Yes, but they're generally very small. The biggest tech company we used to have was Arm Holdings, the chip designers for mainly mobile chips. And they got sold, or their shareholders sold, took the offer from SoftBank of Japan to sell them to him. So what you'll find in the UK is we don't have any big multinational uh, tech companies anymore. Um, but what we do have is lots of small startup companies and relatively small companies, if they're listed. Um, but you just probably haven't heard of them. You'll have to do more research to find them. But that probably means you've probably got more opportunity if they do grow, that they'll grow a lot more than, say, even Apple can grow because it is so big. Right. So have you got a- an example that we could look at? Two immediately that stand out are in the alternative energy sector. These are listed on the London Stock Exchange in the alternative investment sector, I believe. One is called Series Power, who generate uh, fuel cells for uh, electrical power generation. And the other one is ITM, which is based in hydrogen reforming and uh, decentralized power generation. Right, so both, I would argue, perhaps are on a a hydrogen theme. Is that fair? Yes, hydrogen and energy theme, that's right. Okay. And I must admit, I only heard of the latter uh, because of a famous investor invested in them. Who's been investing in... One of the founders of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Okay. But he'd been investing in them for the last 10 years. Right, okay. This is the guy who... Input put some money into Blue Whale. Is that right? He was the, yes, um, who gave the starting capital to one of his former employees to start his own investment fund, Blue Whale, yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that's the investment trust, isn't it? No, sorry. It's the unit trust. Blue unit Whale. trust. Yeah. But again, that's that's another kind of fund that looks at software and computing and that sort of thing. So tech, yes. bit, bit of a technology. Well, that's phase. fairly tech heavy, predominantly American tech and UK tech, but yeah. So, I mean, yes. I mean, if you look at series power, so the ticker on that is CWR. So they've got a market cap of 1.8 billion, roughly as we look at it today, you know, you can compare that to some of the ones we were talking about earlier you know, it's an order of magnitude or several orders of magnitude smaller than those companies we've just been talking about. Two, three years ago, they're only 100 million or so. So this is where you're yeah. talking about quite large growth possibilities because they are relatively small. Well, yeah, I mean, if you so just looking at the Hargreaves um, data on, on series, series power has gone up 2,000% in five years. I mean, if you if you'd made two thousand percent, you'd not be too disappointed, would you? No. However, 
this is a sector that is not guaranteed to make money yet. So it's one of those ones you are, it is quite risky because they're not profitable companies yet. Well, yeah. So you expect well, those that do go to make a lot of money. Yeah, you talk about the volatility. As I'm looking at these, Series Power Holdings was down 9% today and ITM Power was yeah, down exactly. 7 But, I mean, if you look at ITM Power, I mean, they're Sheffield-based, I think, aren't they? That's right, yes. These guys? Yeah. So yeah. Sheffield in the UK. There again, they're about 2.6 billion as we look today on market cap. So, I mean, they're not, they're not the smallest. Oh, no, they're quite large the size in the, of the company. investment market. Yeah. Um, but again, if you look at the five-year... Yeah, exactly. So they're not, they're not what a class as microcap by any stretch, are they? <laughs> they, no. are, they are a reasonable size. You know, the microcap companies, when you look at some of these tech, tech companies, they might be, like you said, under 100 million. Now, there really is a, a risky uh, investment. But you look, you look at the five-year growth on ITM Power, 3,500%. So you look at those two, if you'd invested in either of these five years ago, you'd, you'd have done very well. Yeah, you just shouldn't look at it on a daily basis because you'll probably have a heart attack. But yes, if you're in it for the long game and you don't put everything you own into it, yeah, you would do quite well. Yeah, and so I guess so. I guess are we does that does that sort of bring us towards you know the technology companies are a long are a long term growth play essentially. You've got to be patient. Yes, I think so because they're they're designed to they're predominantly companies there that are growing small that are unlikely to pay dividends for a long time because they want to use all their money when they do make it to reinvest and grow. Similar to what Microsoft did in the eighties, they went from being a very very small company in the late seventies to being quite a large company in the mid eighties, but yet pumping all their money into growing and growing and growing. Yeah, and I guess that's. You know, you're talking there 40 years ago, Microsoft? Yeah. In that scenario? So I guess that brings me to the, the, the question of, you know, where are the next, where's the next Microsoft coming from and where, where are the next fangs? Hasn't the model changed now? You know, uh, are tech companies uh, necessarily, you know, not paying dividends, reinvesting in, uh, in R&D and, and expansion? Um, instead, are they, you know, uh, do they just uh, not worry too much about turning a profit? Just uh, try and get some cash flow and uh, and borrow up to the hilt and buy Bitcoin. Isn't that steady, the model? steady? That's that's fighting talk, isn't it? That, that's 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 Tesla talk. Yes, and and we'll find out in the coming months and year whether that was a good thing or whether that's the thing that kills Tesla. Well, it's a it's a game changer. I'll give I'll give you that. But it could be a bit like the funny thing that happened to Yahoo Japan. Yahoo Japan was worthless apart from its shareholding it had in Alibaba, which was worth a thousand times more than the whole of Yahoo Japan was worth, and that was just the small percentage holding Yahoo Japan had in Alibaba. So you get those quirks where you think your company's worthless, but for the one asset you own. 
but the, the, but the shareholders still think you're worthless, even though you own this rather um, valuable asset. Yeah, I think I'm not sure what I think about the whole Tesla Bitcoin situation, to be quite frank, because do you, do, do you then go and take your Bitcoin and go and buy your Tesla? Um, I think it, it could be classed as a bit of a, am I allowed to say stunt? Maybe not a stunt, but it's, but it's Elon a Musk, a, pol- um, a policy stunt? Really? Why? A cunning stunt. <laughs> wow. Careful how you say that. <laughs> you don't want to say that after a few drinks. <laughs> no, you don't. That's not true. Yeah, I, where do you go with that? If, if the game has changed... Um, then may- maybe we aren't looking for the next the next set of fangs or the next Tesla because these guys are going to be there around long enough and have enough growth there that we just go and buy them, right? And just see them continue well, to not necessarily monopolize. It's probably worthwhile thinking that quite a lot of the tech companies we know today. The guys who made a lot of money from them were the guys who invested in it right at the beginning. Then they were via the venture capital funds, venture capital trusts, or VCs, as are often known. These were Apple, Microsoft, Intel, Broadcom, Qualcomm, uh, Nvidia, AMD, Facebook, Google. They were all in. They all had startup capital from the VCs. And what's a l- not well known is there's an awful lot of VC funds in the UK that are invested in startup companies. Uh, partly that's how quite a lot of money for ARM got their money to start, was from VCs. So that's another one where they are managed funds where they look at very, very small companies that aren't listed to take investments in them, help them grow, help them also with expertise to help them grow and manage and then eventually sell on later on when they do eventually have an IPO or sell them to somebody else. And they can range from biotech to software to other various uh, technology companies. And they might be something you want to consider because instead of investing in one very volatile share, you've got something which is pooled across maybe 100 to 200, depending on the size of the fund. Didn't your, yeah, didn't your, didn't your friend do a bit of that, though? Investing in startups. Yeah, but these ones are very different. The funds are not liquid. They're closed end. They're not open-ended funds. So therefore, you can't pull your money out. You can sell them on like an investment trust. So in that sense, because they're extremely liquid asset, they use different structures to an open-ended investment uh, unit trust. Also, they're often set up so that they're fixed terms. So they've maybe got a five-year to seven-year mandate. And five, seven years, they, their plan is to exit the company either by selling it on or going to an IPO so they can get their money out and give it back to their shareholders. It's not just perpetual one day you might make money sort of fund. So they live in a quite a different world. Often okay. it's different end of the market than what most retail customers would even consider looking at. Keith, you were talking about our friend Jesse. Oh, no, uh, I mentioned that Jesse Felder did an interview with an, an early va- investor in Facebook. An interesting one. 
well, as they all are with Jesse. Yeah, very much so. So yeah, I think I think you know, get in early if you can. But I think as 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 you were saying earlier, Philip, just uh, perhaps don't look at it every day, because you'll probably drive drive yourself slightly around the bend. Well, certainly, it's not it's not a uh, relaxing ride with the tech companies. Because didn't you say with Amazon, you would have lost effectively lost your share over a fairly extended period, and then and then it turned and took off like a rocket. Now you wouldn't have lost your shirt because unless you put all of your savings into just one share, which of course no one would do that, would they? No, boss. no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look at the very very long um, share history, they've been around. They were floated in May, sometime early nineteen ninety seven, if I remember rightly. They're now currently trading in at around say three thousand US dollars, somewhere around that sort of price. So Amazon peaked during the dot-com boom at, say, around December 1999 at around about $94 a share. And then they just dropped. And they got as low, I think, as like $14 a share. And they didn't really get back. Oh, no, tell a lie. They got as low as about $6 a share in, say, late 2001. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. When you went back in time... So if you went back to 2009, yeah, the share price was sort of peaked Decemberish time, about 90, $94 to $95 a share, and it dropped to a low back end, say, September, October uh, 2001, at somewhere between $6, $7. And it didn't get back to like $100 a share. So about $94 a share didn't get back there until 2007. So if you bought at the peak, it was that was crippling. But if you awaited another 15 years after the peak, 20 years after the peak, you'll be looking at 1,000% increases. But you just had a very long wait. Yeah, and that, that comes down to patience, though, doesn't it? We've said this before about... When you cut your um, losses and move on. Yeah. No comment. Buy high, sell low. Sometimes your broker forces you to <laughs> cut your losses. <laughs> I found... <laughs> It's not yeah. negotiable. Absolutely. So we were just saying, how do you, you know, what what are the ways you can actually buy into these if you don't want to just be a stock picker? Are there other ways of getting into this market? Yeah. So venture, venture capital trusts in the UK are an option. They're not necessarily used for most most investors because they're at the more risky end of the investment market. Um, they come with some interesting tax breaks, particularly if you're a high-rate taxpayer, in the fact that you can get up to 30% tax relief on them if you were then to fill in a, um, a self-assessment tax return the following year after you invested in them. You can buy them through stockbrokers such as Hargreaves Lansdowne, Charles Stanley, and many of the others because they're stock market-listed investment vehicles. And they come in as a couple of different types. There's the limited life VTCs, which are designed to be the lower risk and lower return end. And their aim is to be wound up in a fixed number of years and redistribute all of the profits to the shareholders. They usually last for five to six years. But of course, there's no guarantees that there'll be any profits at the end. You then tend to have specialists who specialize in certain sectors, such as technology, uh, biotech, medicines, and so forth. Then you have AMI, or Alternative Investment VCCs. These invest predominantly on listed companies on the alter- London's alternative investment market aim. 
those companies or who are about to be listed in AIM. So they'll be they'll invest in them just before they list on AIM. They 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 don't have a fixed time scale. And then you have the generalist VTCs, which are the most popular investors, and they'll invest in a range of different companies, some listed, some not, and, and in various different sectors. And you can buy them, sell them like shares. So they're a closed-end investment vehicle. However, there are other com- investments out there that are either in open-ended funds, such as unit trusts, or uh, or investment trusts and other closed investment vehicles. So in the investment trust end, there's a couple of them in the UK. Alliance Technology Investment Trust. Then there's Augmented Fintech Investment Trust. Polar Capital Technology Investment Trust and Shaw Ventures Investment Trust. And they all invest in technology and media companies of various different sizes, from very small to moderate size. And those funds are in the range of, well, Alliances and Polar Capitals are several billion in size. Uh, Augmented is a bit more recent, and it's only about 160 million in size. And Shaw Ventures is relatively new in its, well, sorry, it's much, much smaller. It's only about 5 million in size. So did you say that was 5 million in size? Yes, Sure Ventures just says here it's five million. It's only been around since two thousand eighteen. Well, yeah, it's just quite small. Yes, isn't it? very small. But yeah, I think if you look at an OIC, an open-ended investment yes. company, yeah, yeah. or sort of unit, unit trust in in old yeah, money. OIC. Yeah. Um, so we just picked at random Marlborough Nano Cap Growth. Um, so this is a two hundred and forty million pound fund with 138 holdings um, established mm. back in 2013. It's got, certainly as part of its top 10 holdings um, or sectors, software and computer services is 25% of that, and then another five is electrical electronic equipment, and that's a UK-based OEIC. So that in itself is, is another option of allowing yeah. you to get into relatively small growth companies in a less volatile way yeah yeah i mean i look down at the top 10 and i think data solutions which is d44 solutions i feel like i might have heard of them yes but i don't know any of the others yeah and i mean i think the only health warning with that fund is there's a there's a five percent initial charge according to the hargreaves app so you know it's costing you five percent to get into that fund but, you yes. know, if you look at it and it's growing, you know, 30, between 30 and 50% in a year, probably on average it's it's doing sort of 20, 20 plus. Um, you'll make that back in the first year, albeit it's not it's not an ideal way of buying funds when you've got a 5% hit up front. To start with, no. So, yeah, I mean, that's just one example of, of very, very many small company funds. Um, so there's a number of ways of getting into these. And, and I guess in that sense, then you're not buying – well, you're not stop picking one individual company and going, well, that didn't work. Because I think we had this yes. conversation a while ago about, you know, you were chatting about Amazon earlier on, you know, to be able to pick Amazon and stick with Amazon and, and, and have any sense that it was going to go to $3,000 a share. We, we know a lot of people to say that, but I know very few people have actually did that. Yeah, I think I probably would have sat there and gone, I could probably do something else with my money. And now I'd be sitting mm-hmm. there going, oh, I wish I'd held it. So yeah. It's really difficult in those those scenarios. So yeah, maybe patience is the um, the view. And if you if you 
if you're brave enough, you take a fairly large number of stocks that you think will grow and hope that one of them will be a, an Amazon. <laughs> and, yes. then, and then you, the rest are irrelevant because it doesn't matter whether they're up or down. You made your money <laughs> on one. So I'm not, I'm not sure that's quite my investing style. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, it's a, a style. Yeah, I don't know why. I just had a sudden sense of Mary Poppins, you know, about uh, Feed the Birds. You know, you so you, the bird? I can't do the voice. Yeah, tuppence a bag. And you sort of go, I'll just spray a load of money onto tech stocks or, you know, small companies and go, oh, one of them will deliver. But that's what the VTs actually tell us to do. They're going, I know 80% of you guys are going to fail. 10% of you will break even. One or two of you will make profits, but one or two of you will make hundreds of thousand percent profits that pays for the rest. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, it's just a know, numbers game. Well, it's speculation, isn't it? You're speculating, mm. hopefully, to accumulate. But um, yeah, quite quite a difficult game to be in. I think that's why the the venture capital trusts is probably a good a good one to look at. So, did we want to raise anything else, or should I draw this to a close? I think that's probably the one's best to sort of in there because i don't really i'm running out of things to say with any certainty okay keith did you have anything else well uh running out of things to say with any certainty that's where i come in you know when you were describing uh the amazon journey yes and you were talking about the big drawdowns yes um you're talking about very early doors were you talking about 2009 uh 2000 uh, after 2000 yes so they bottomed they were peaked at december 1999 about 94 to 95 dollars they bottomed in october november 2001 at about six seven dollars and then it was a slow grind until about november 2007 where they got back to about 90 dollars again and i mean a very slow grind it all depends on what you bought in at depends mm. on what you want to do because you forget in like yeah during the tech crash you were losing 90 percent if you stuck if you bought at the top and stayed it out for a year because in many ways you're sort of going to them to make the money back in 10 years you've been better off selling taking a 20 percent loss selling it and coming back several years later and buying back in the guys who really made a killing well, those guess, picked up for like six seven dollars yeah 2001 that might have even been higher than their um, listing price. What did they list that? They listed at one point seven dollars. Okay, not quite as bad as that. Yeah, I mean, when you when you really when you zoom out, it uh, it kind of looks, you know, <laughs> it almost looks Madoffish. Mm. <laughs> it's just but then, but straight up and to the right. <laughs> yeah, but you're a tiny little company. You looked at you looked at Intel. You looked at Apple back in the early eighties. They look like that. You looked at Microsoft in the early 80s. They looked like that. Yeah, I think Microsoft listed in sometime in like two th- uh, 1986, and it was something like, what, 10 cents a share? And then it hit the 90s, it went up to around about $2 a share. 2007, it was like $7 a share. Went on December 1999 to guess what? $46 a share. A change of 47, 47,000% from the list price. And then it crashed, and then it's been hovering around the 20 to $30 to $20 range ever since. And it's currently sitting at 
So that's a company that's never recovered. Also, Microsoft hasn't recovered from its peak price before the crash in, oh no, it's 2010. Zoom out a bit. That was in 2010, they got to $30. And they're now currently looking at, now they're in the $200 range. So when it got to around about 2013 is when they went up parabolic. So for Microsoft, they were stuck in this $20 range until around about 2013. 13 years of doing very little before they went up like now. And that was a company that was making money left, right and centre. But the problem for them was they weren't paying a dividend. They were just wasting it on things like Nokia, Xbox that didn't make money. Uh, Lawyers to defend them from prosecutions for antitrust cases. Edit. And monopoly practices. No, they they were convicted. So that's not an edit. That's it. They were convicted. Accepted his connection. Anyway. Microsoft only pay 1% dividend now, don't they? Sure. Yeah, that's only because their share price has gone up because they expect it to be oh, grow- they expect to grow it. All right, well, let me wrap this up. And on that bombshell, we'll say thank you to Philip and, of course, Keith. And we'll see you next time. This programme has been presented for information and educational purposes only. None of the information or content of the programme is to be taken as an offer, opinion or recommendation by the programme's hosts or guests to buy or sell securities, nor is it intended to provide legal, tax, accounting, commercial or financial advice. Opinions and comments are based on information from sources believed to be reliable. All investing involves risk as prices go up or down based on a number of factors. Always consider consulting a financial professional before investing.